2: Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the Money Girl Podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and award-winning author based in Austin, Texas. On this show, I help you master your money so you can live rich and love the journey. My goal each week is to expose you to something new from a variety of financial topics, like saving more money investing for retirement, building credit, managing debt, insurance, real estate, taxes, and money mindset. We have lots of new listeners, so I want to thank you for downloading the show, and I really hope that you'll be a permanent part of the community. I've been podcasting for 10 years now. I can't believe it's been that long, and doing Money Girl now for over eight years. Many of you have been listening since the beginning, so thank you, thank you for your friendship, feedback, questions, and support over all these years. Since there are so many shows in the Archive, we've limited the feed to the most recent 25 shows. So that's what you'll see in iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. The hosting costs would be massive, unfortunately, if we included over 400 shows in the feed. But the good news is that you can read the transcripts or stream audio from the entire Archive in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. This is episode number 479 called Money-Saving Hacks to Beat the System. And today's show is a terrific interview that I did with David Pogue, the author of Pogue's Basics, Money, Essential Tips and Shortcuts That No One Bothers to Tell You About Beating the System. I had a great time chatting with David about some of my favorite money-saving tips from his new book. We cover the right way to purchase computers and laptops, whether you should pay for extended product warranties, tips to save money on insurance how to get free money from Amazon programs, places to turn unused gift cards into cash, how to leverage credit cards for cash back, and more tips and shortcuts that you can use to keep more of your hard-earned money. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here's the interview. David, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on.
0: Thanks. Good to be here.
2: Yeah. So you've got a brand new book out, Pogue's Basics, Money, Essential Tips and Shortcuts that No One Bothers to Tell You. I love the title. Um, I want to ask you why you're writing about money. You're kind of a tech and science guy, aren't you?
0: <laughs> that is true. But part of my mission as a tech reviewer has always been consumer advocacy, has always been sort of representing the consumer and, and guarding them against scams. And my, my career is dotted with you know, taking on Verizon or taking on Barnes Noble or or whoever is is scamming the system. So it's really not a, a big stretch to to say that I'm always on the lookout for ways that we're we're paying too much for things. That my, my argument is we just we leave money on the table everywhere we go. You know, food and travel and clothes and services. It's just it's unbelievable how much you could you could save if you had a little information.
2: It's so true. As I was reading your book to prep for this interview, I was dog-earing pages that I wanted to talk to you about, and then I I realized I had about half of the book dog-eared. It's so good.
0: (laughs) I'm going to put that quote on the back cover, if you don't mind.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's just, it's just chock full of incredible, fantastic tips. So, bravo. Very well done. So, we'll just pick out a few great things here to talk about, and uh, maybe if there's anything else that I missed, we can talk about it Uh, at the end. But I, I want to ask you first about buying refurbished computers. You're a tech guy, so I figure you might have an opinion on this. What do you think? Should we do it? Should we roll the dice or not?
0: You should, you should never buy anything else but refurbished computers. This is one of the greatest massive savings vehicles out there. When, when these companies like Apple and Dell and HP sell refurbished computers on their websites... It's not what you think. It's not going to be full of cat hair and you know spilled coffee. These computers have never been used. This is like when somebody got a laptop for Christmas and his uncle also gave him the same laptop. They have to return one of them, and they're not allowed to. Apple is not allowed to sell it as new, so it's called refurbished. It's it's usually never even been turned on. It's given the same warranty and the same inspection, in fact, more of an inspection than a new one would. And in the meantime, you get these gigantic savings. So a new MacBook Air costs $1,200 on the Apple website, the same exact laptop is 950 for the you know, inconvenience of having to buy a laptop that somebody had under the tree for an hour.
2: Yeah, the Mac that I am recording this show on right now is refurbished, and I was really impressed at how beautiful it was when I got it. I expected it to be kind of dinged up and, you know, look pretty used, but it was it was in pretty good shape. So I am definitely a fan as well of buying refurbished computers. And every time we go to buy electronics, like a computer, a TV, a microwave. What are they trying to sell? Those extended warranties, right? What do you think about those? When should we pass and when should we buy one?
0: Fortunately, I'm a a longtime reader of Consumer Reports and they have studied this and extended warranties are a ripoff. It is not worth paying for extended warranties, especially on things that just don't break. I mean, 40% of us, buy an extended warranty on a refrigerator. Refrigerators go, you know, 15, 20 years without breaking down. It, it just, it almost never turns out to be worth it. So it's it's a psychological uh, scam more than a financial one. You you worry that it's going to break down outside the warranty period. Um, so much smarter to just buy things with a credit card that doubles the original warranty, for example. I'd say the one, the one, the uh example where you might want to consider an extended warranty are on things that you carry and bump around like cell phones and laptops, then maybe. But on appliances that just sit there for years, like a microwave or a TV, it's it's not going to pan out.
2: Yeah, I rarely buy them. I think maybe I've bought it on some very high-priced items where it was a very small percentage of the purchase price, maybe 5% or less in the purchase price. But yeah, mostly I, I definitely turn them down. So let's change gears here and talk a little bit about insurance. Um, We've all got to buy car insurance, for example. So that's a great cost to try to trim down. What are some strategies that you recommend to save money on our auto coverage?
0: Well, one general thought when it comes to insurance is to revisit it. So if if you took out your policy on whatever it is, seven years ago or ten years ago your circumstances might have changed you might need less or more or your circumstances for example in, in car insurance um, the insurance rate is pegged to how much you drive a year so if you have a new job or you've moved and now you take the subway to work and you're you have got much lower mileage you should call the insurance company and get your rate dropped um, and there are, there are other ways that you can reduce your car insurance too, just by asking. Uh, For example, if you pay a year's premiums up front, they chop about 8% off for for the year that you would have paid in in monthly installments. Um, And also moving your car insurance to whatever company that's giving you your home insurance, that also gets you a, a lower rate. So a lot of times it just boils down to call the company and ask
2: yeah and I love that you included insurancequotes.com which is a company that I work as a, a spokesperson for and we do a lot of studies about what causes rates to rise what what causes rates to go down and you know there there's so many things that go into our auto insurance rates that a lot of people don't realize so even credit you know people don't realize we in fact just did a study that shows consumers with poor credit are paying about a hundred percent more on average than those with excellent credit. I mean, it's just amazing. So we've got to understand what goes into these rates because they're pretty complex um, and do everything that we can to keep them down. So I love that you, you covered insurance. Um, let's talk about buying things. I love to buy things online and have them shipped to my house. So I'm a huge Amazon fan, and I've also got a Prime account, and I'm just a huge lover of the Subscribe and Save program. But when I was reading your book, I realized there's a whole lot more that I could be taking advantage of when it comes to Amazon. So tell us about some of the lesser-known discount programs that I'm probably missing out on.
0: Well, right. Amazon is this giant retailer, but they don't really have any stores. So they, they don't have a chain of physical stores, so they're at this, this sort of disadvantage. So, yeah, they've cropped up all these savings discount plans that not very many people know about. I think my favorite, and this this is just so important, is the Amazon Prime store card. It's basically Amazon's own credit card that works only on Amazon, that gives you five percent off everything. So getting five percent off everything you buy in a year—that I mean—that is hundreds or thousands of dollars a year for most people. Obviously, Amazon hopes that you'll <laughs> this will drive you to more buy more things from Amazon, which of course it does. It, it works for me, but getting five percent off everything all the time is. It's, it's free money. It's just an amazing, amazing deal. Um, they also have a bunch of other programs. Uh, one's called warehouse deals. That's the equivalent of the refurbished deals we were talking about earlier where somebody bought a product, opened it, and returned it without ever using it or, or the, the shipping box got dented. Um, and, again, these are big discounts on everything, TVs and electronics and shoes and sporting goods. Um, you mentioned that you use subscribe and save. Which, uh, which is where you, there are things that you use and replenish all year long, like toilet paper and makeup and cereal and laundry detergent and stuff like that. Um, if you're willing to have these things shipped to you automatically on a schedule that you specify, you know, send me new laundry detergent four times a year or something, they knock off 10 to 25 percent of the costs.
2: Yeah, I'm typically getting about a 15% discount. And what a lot of people, I think what scares them about the program is they think, oh, I, I don't need this item every month or every couple of months. But what's so great about it is that you can just skip a shipment. You can just say, no, I don't want an item this month. Send it to me next month or send it to me in six months. And you're still getting the discount as long as you have, I think, at least five items in your shipment. So I really love that. I kind of play that game. Each month, sort of, you know, picking and choosing what I need, um, and I was just about to get the Amazon credit card. And now that I've read your book and talked to you about it, I'm definitely going to pull the trigger on that. I think it's just a no brainer.
0: It is percent is a lot. Um, in, in one of the, my favorite tips in the in the book is to get a credit card. As long as you're going to have a credit card, you might as well get one that gives you cash back at the end of the year. This is, of course, not anything new. But what is new is the cards that have absolutely no limits and no fine print. There's one from Fidelity. There's one from Citibank that gives you 2% back of everything you buy. And you're like, well, 2%, that's two pennies of a dollar. But the average American family spends you know, tens of thousands of dollars on things through the year. So it comes out to a lot of money that you're saving if you get one of these 2% back on everything card. So the fact that Amazon is, is going, you know, well beyond that and giving you 50% uh, sorry, 5% back on everything they sell, it's it's really quite a giant savings tool.
2: Absolutely
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this
2: juicy gem of a detour. So let's talk about prepaid gift cards The main problem that I always have with these cards is that I never seem to be able to zero them out. And so I'm carrying around these cards and I'll write on them with a a black Sharpie, you know, $3.92. I'll write the balance on it so I can remember. But it, it seems like before I can use that balance, it's expired. So I have a really hard time zeroing these out. What are your tips and tricks to spend every last penny?
0: Okay, great. Well, this is, you, you've just pushed my hot button here. So the gift cards are just, they're a cash cow that moves to the moon and back. It's, it's the biggest, uh, I don't know, it's almost a scam because we all buy them and millions of them are never used. Something like 40% of these things get into a drawer and they're never used. So the the, the merchant, the Target or the Amazon or the iTunes, keeps the money that the giver spent on the card but never has to give up goods and services in exchange. So they, the merchants, love us to buy gift cards. We have to take, when we're we're given one of these things, the first thing you should do is ask yourself seriously, am I going to spend this at Target or Applebee's or or whatever it is? And if there's any chance you won't, your first thought should be, let's just turn this into cash. And there are these websites like cardcash.com uh, or uh, cardpool.com that give you cash for these gift cards on the order of you know 70% of the face value. So that's the first thing, is you can immediately turn it into cash. Don't put it in the drawer and hope you'll eat at Applebee's someday. Um, but you're, you're right. The other thing is when you spent some of it, but not all of it, that's the other reason the merchants love these things, because they come out ahead again. Um so first of all, you should know that legally in the United States, they're not allowed to expire in at least five years. So you're covered for that much. But there are other things you can do with these things, um, especially if they are visa gift cards, you know, the ones that you can spend anywhere. Um, you can pay your utilities bill bills with those. you can you can pay down a dinner at a restaurant with an unused visa gift card. Um, you can you know what you can do. You can buy an Amazon gift card with your Visa gift card.
2: Yeah, I love that.
0: (laughs) That's a little gift card arbitrage. Um, And the beauty of that is you can spend it on anything Amazon sells, and you can spend it in any weird amount toward whatever you're buying. So it's a little strange, but it's a great way to dump an unused Visa card.
2: Terrific. Now, let's talk about our homes or our rental units, where we're living. We're, we're always trying to keep down our power and utility bills. What is vampire power? You talk about this in the book. Tell, tell us what that is and how we can stop it from driving up our power bills.
0: Well, vampire power. Uh, we are spending, as Americans, $19 billion a year flowing electricity into devices that are fully charged and don't need it. So cell phones, computers, and garage door openers, and cable modems, and cable boxes, and game consoles, things that we leave plugged in that we're not using are quietly consuming electricity all the time. It's called vampires because vampires suck life out of us. So um, so every, every person in this country is... Spending between 165 and $400 paying for electricity that's just being wasted so the obvious solution is unplug things that don't need to be on all the time like unplug the TV when you're using it or the TiVo when you're not using it you know or plug it into a power strip that you can turn off all at once that's a big inconvenient pain for a lot of people so another idea is that for about seven bucks you can get these special power surge protectors or, or sockets that cut off power automatically after an hour or six hours, whatever, whatever you decide, and plug your rechargeable things into that. So after the hour, the power is cut, no more vampire power, that device is charged up, but no longer sucking away electricity.
2: And the last chapter in your book, I really loved. It's called Financial Brain Hacks. And you've got a variety of kind of concepts and ideas there. And one that I love is that it's Important to use money to be happier by buying experiences instead of more things. And that's kind of been a goal and a, a, a lifelong mission of mine is to sort of downsize, use fewer things, but nicer things, things I really like and appreciate, but have fewer things and have more experiences. So I'm I'm curious, what are some of the experiences that you spend money on that make you happy?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is very true. A theme of this book is, is the relationship between money and happiness and psychology, and a lot of money is psychology. Basic, basically, money makes us crazy. So anytime that I can help apply science to these things, and this is one of them, this is not me just opining in an earthy, crunchy way. This is a proven doctrine in psychology that when you spend on experiences— they result in much more pleasure for a much greater time than that limited moment when you unbox something. So, for example, when it's my wife's birthday or Valentine's Day, um, I find that instead of giving her, (laughs) I don't know, a new toaster oven, um, it's much better to take the same amount and to buy her a cooking class that we take together. First of all, we have the looking forward to it, and that's joy. And then we create a memory from that, and then we talk about that forever. And also, a lot of these experiences, whether it's a, a concert or going to a play or a weekend getaway or even a really cool dinner out, there's a social component to that, right? We're doing it with our spouse or our parent or our kid or our family. And psychologists point out that social bonds are an important element in, in long-term happiness. So those are some of the, reason that, the reasons that buying experiences will make you happier in the long run than buying things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love to go out for nice dinners with my husband and just get out of town for short weekends. I find that those are really the things that we remember and and talk about for a long time brings me a lot of happiness. So I'm glad that you included that in the book, because I think those, as you said, the psychology part of money is so important. We, We like the tactics, you know, we like to get get the nitty gritty uh, savings tips, but also thinking about the psychology and the mindset of money is just as important. David, thank you so much for being on the show and tell us how we can find your book.
0: Uh, Sure. It's called Pogue's Basics Money and it's available uh, wherever fine books are sold online and in stores.
2: I hope you enjoyed this interview and will put some of the tips and shortcuts we discussed from David's book into practice to save money in the new year. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to share it and subscribe so you get every episode the moment it's released. It's free to subscribe on any app of your choice, like iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're on Android, try out Podcast Addict or Beyond Pod. Money Girl is also on the Spotify mobile app. To keep the money conversation going with a terrific community, join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. To request your invitation, visit Dominate Your Dollars on Facebook or send me a text message for immediate access right now. Just text DOLLARS, it's D-O-L-L-A-R-S, to the number 33444. I hope to see you in the group. You can also visit lauradadams.com to email me your money question or visit my recommended tools page. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life.